Many newspapers have called it the greatest club game ever. The strength of Munster Rugby has always been the big boys up front. I'm actually really, really excited for it. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Welcome along. Wednesday evenings off the ball. Joe Malloy with you this evening. It's a good show, I think. Richie Hogan is one of the great hurlers. I'm sure you'll agree. Seven All-Irelands to his name. Four All-Stars. Hurler of the Year 2014. He's given it another year with Kilkenny in spite of ongoing battles with his body. Now 33 years of age. We'll chat to Richie in the first hour of the show. Wednesday Night Rugby, Neve Briggs and Liam Toland after 8 o'clock. And then on the football show with lots of live football on this evening. Mark Lawrenson will join us for a general chat about things. Plus, Paddy Agnew with a check-in on all things Serie A. 53106 is the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Richie McCormick, evening to you. How you, Joe? And David McIntyre, come on in. Hello. Lads, how are you? Very well. Richie Hogan, Dave, one of the greats. Yeah, you've never watched Richie Hogan hurl and then wish he'd spent the time doing something else, do you? Um, I, and I, it's great that he's giving it another year because we feel we haven't really seen the best of Richie over the last couple of years the last real memory I have of him and I could be forgetting a couple of moments of magic over the last couple of seasons but unfortunately is that red card in the All-Ireland final and he's just has not been able to get a really good run of fitness a good run of games I hope his body feels good and that he can put his mastery of the skills to their full use in the league and then this summer and we, we really get a full final year out, potentially final year out of Richie and fully fit Richie Hogan improves any team and that Kilkenny team aren't a million miles away from really challenging for an All-Ireland so if they can just get him firing at his best and I would hope that I believe his best days are behind him but I'd love him to prove me wrong in 2022 and really show us what he's capable of again Yeah, you mentioned that red card against Tipperary in the 2019 All-Ireland final 2020 it turns out was pretty good for him in terms of lockdown it afforded him an opportunity to get his body right and he got a different perspective on how he needs to train at his age and what you did forget is 15 months after that red card there was a degree of redemption in Croker do you remember that phenomenal Galway game where he flicked the ball by the keeper and then twisted Mm. his body and flicked it into the net scored that great goal against Galway and finished 2021 on a high uh, sorry 2020 on a high and you kind of thought well 2021 maybe he'll really kick on but we only saw him once all year in 2021 in the championship that was against Cork in the semi-final and he just got a few minutes at the end because uh, the unpredictable schedule meant he couldn't quite get his body in order so I think a lot of people when they saw him last year just get a few minutes against Cork and nothing else would have said well that's kind of Richie Hogan done but uh, he is back he is here for 2022 we recorded the chat earlier on and it was very interesting he was saying since maybe uh, I don't know 2016 17 territory he's had just terrible problems with his back and he said the best way to describe it to you is it's sore pretty much all the time but he likened it to you know people who grind their teeth during the night and he said it's it's kind of that feeling and when he twists and turns he can hear the grinding in his back so that is what he's uh, working with and trying to cope with and obviously it leads to a bunch of other problems hamstring injuries and soft muscle injuries but uh, he just loves hurling so bloody much he's coming back is the gist of it Dave and he's still only 33 it's just the injuries that have kind of scuppered him yeah there's for a 33 year old who has you know 
in our minds, been on the go for as long as he has. He doesn't have as much mileage on the clock as most other 33-year-olds. Now, yes, injuries obviously can take their toll, particularly a chronic injury like the back issue that he's had to deal with for so long now. I wouldn't have thought that he was going to come back in 2022 if he didn't feel that he was capable of playing a lot of minutes, playing a lot of league and championship games, being a starter. I'm not sure Richie Hogan's happy coming off the bench for a cameo, the sort of role that Henry played in his final year in 2014. So the fact that he's decided to come back at all would have me hoping that the body is in a better place than it's been at any stage over the last two or three seasons and that if he is coming back it's more than just to play the role of a bit part player and it's interesting too I mean the Kilkenny have so many good young hurlers they've had the young hurler of the year for the last couple of years and they haven't been that far away from getting to an All-Ireland final or winning an All-Ireland and guys like Richie Hogan who were that in that last bracket of players that were part of the great Kilkenny team of the late noughties and early, early 2010s they do need Brian Coney does need a couple of those guys around guys who've done it because Kenny are nice seven years they will be in 2022 without an All-Ireland title that they do need guys who have been and around in those days won it won a couple of Celtic crosses and can show the younger guys the way because those younger guys aren't far away from being superstars in their own right in the county yeah any teeth grinders out there amongst you two in your sleep <laughs> not to my knowledge anyway Richie McCormack hands up I think I'm, I think I'm grinding one of my um, incisors down to a sharp point for yeah. a while. Oh, it's um, an affliction. Yeah, you need to, you need to get like a retainer for to get you through the night. Oh, stop! I've had one of those when I was uh, in my early twenties, and they're not pretty either. It's um, a nice look. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly is. I'm, gl- I'm glad no one can see it at that <laughs> era of the night as well. We should start the news round before clock comes against us. Lots of interesting stories today. It is as ever with thanks to Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. We will have Neve Briggs, Liam Toland on later on. Simon Zebo, lucky boy. Yeah, he has been cleared by a disciplinary panel to play in Munster's Heineken Champions Cup trip to Castro on Friday. The winger was shown a red card for a challenge on Ulster's Michael Larry last weekend. However, the disciplinary panel found that Zebo made minimal contact with his opponent and cleared him to play. Meanwhile, Orgy Snyman has signed a new two-year contract with Munster that despite minimal appearances due to injuries for the province over the last couple of years, prop Roman Salanoa has signed a fresh three-year deal and Stephen Archer and Liam O'Connor have both signed one-year extensions with Munster today. Yeah, Orgy Snyman and still trying to hit 80 minutes for Munster as a grand total so I guess uh, they'll be desperately hoping the next two years are better than the last two Dave but it's a big fill up for the province to keep them the general sense was all the big South African names were heading for the exit and then uh, Zebo clear to play against Castro the URC what they say is in particular on detailed examination of the video the panel determined it was the number 10 of Munster as in Jack Crowley it was the number 10 of Munster who completes the tackle on Michael Lowry of Ulster with Simon Zebo only making minimal contact whilst wrapping his left arm I guess the point might be that the contact I mean they call it minimal it was it was definitely reasonable contact was with the head of Michael Lowry but they've let him off anyway yeah, I think he can consider himself a little bit lucky. I'd say Simon himself was expecting a suspension. I can actually also see the argument that has been made by the ERC disciplinary committee as well. I'm, I'm more shocked by the Snyman news, and pleasantly so. I had resigned myself to him leaving um, with Delende at the end of the season, possibly following Johan van Grant to the wreck. And there's a real... 
bang of unfinished business about this decision from RG Snyman, isn't there? That he feels Munster gave him the opportunity to come to Ireland. I think he settled in Limerick. I think he's been very pleased by the manner in which Munster have been able to help him along through this incredibly difficult injury spell. I mean, two different sets of uh, knee issues. It's just cruel for any player to have to go through it once, let alone twice in such quick succession. And that he feels he would have not achieved any of his own goals if he was to leave Munster at the end of the current contract. You would hope now that, you know, the karma favours him and favours Munster in this little marriage that they have together and that if they eventually get to see the best of him because he's one of the best locks in the world and I can only imagine there was a slew of clubs in a queue to try and tempt him away because real genuine test world-class lock forwards, they are not ten a penny nowadays and if he can just get himself fit and as you say, play an actual full game for Munster, they'll go an awful long way towards... uh, winning some of the things that they are so desperate to win and we don't know the identity of the new head coach but whoever he is what a boon it is for him to be able to call upon the services of Simon for the next couple of years and what do you make of the discussion around Van Gran over the past fortnight um it's, it's a really difficult one. I can understand where some of the ex-Monster players in particular have been coming from because losing while playing a decent brand of rugby is one thing. Losing when you feel there's no direction and no real sense of ambition or expansion in a game from a head coach and a coaching ticket that aren't there just a few months. They've been around a good while. And then all of that on top of the news that as in any sport, in any situation, when the coach knows and the players and the supporters know that he's heading away months in advance, he's in that lame duck situation you have to win games otherwise it will be thrown at you that your heart isn't really in it that when it comes to recruitment when it comes to looking what's happening at the wreck that maybe you're taking your eye off the ball a little it was a real combative pre-match interview in particular but post-match as well the Connacht performance will certainly have helped him given that they were down to 14 men for so long so I think Johan van Graan my own dealings with him over the years he's a, a really good fella he's been always pleasant courteous he goes out of his way to ensure that he shows respect to everybody that crosses his path hasn't got his way in terms of winning trophies but I, for his sake and for the, the Munster fans all around the country I hope they do achieve something over the next few months but uh, you just it's difficult to get away from the fact that you know your head coach is not going to be around to make the big calls on you and your colleagues and once you get to pre-season yeah rich news on Jared Payne yeah he is going to be leaving Ulster at the end of this season their coaching staff that is the former Ireland fullback is to pursue coaching opportunities overseas they say Payne was named Ulster's defence coach immediately after being forced to retire from playing in 2018 meanwhile John Cooney will miss Ulster's Heineken Champions Cup trip to Northampton that's due to a calf injury but Robert Balakoon and Bradley Roberts both return for that trip to Franklin's Gardens now it was like Offaly and Clare down in Africa this afternoon <laughs> yeah it was ridiculous stuff today a Group F game at the Africa Cup of Nations ended in farcical style today Mali and Tunisia had to resume over half an hour after the original end of the game as the match referee twice blew his final whistle early post-match press conferences were interrupted to inform both sides that the game to was resume but Mali's players and the match officials returned to the field without Tunisia Mali won the game by a goal to nil uh, that was the 7th 1-0 win of the tournament we've now had 8th in 11 Abli Jaro scored Gambia's first ever goal of the tournament as they beat Mauritania by a goal to nil this evening and there is one game underway in Group E a Premier League packed Ivory Coast leave, lead Equatorial Guinea by a Maxwell Corne goal to nil or Max Gradle goal to nil pardon me that goal came after just five minutes play I haven't seen much of it Dave have you caught much of the African combinations? 
just watching highlights on YouTube is uh, the extent to which I've seen the AFCON so far. Uh, by all accounts, I think I've made the right decision because as Richie was describing there, there haven't been exactly been many classics have there so far. I do uh, I do think I'll sit down and watch the knockout stages. I'll definitely watch the semi-finals and the final because there are some brilliant players to, to watch at the moment, but I just haven't been able to make the time to sit down and watch a full game. So just the goals and the main events of the games is all I'll satisfy yeah. myself with for the moment. Today, I mean, I didn't catch it today, but my main business today was to watch Prime Minister's Questions at Westminster. That was <laughs> the only show in town. It was, uh, I don't know, did you watch it live? The flow of it was great in that it's like every second question. So it's question from the opposition and then question from his own party. And so it would go from, you must resign, you're the worst human being that's ever lived, to question from his own party saying things like, uh, can we agree to make Burnley the best place in the world for education? And Boris has up to this prepared question and say things like, yes, and I'm thrilled to say that the Burnley uh, Institute of Technology has been formally recognised and I, I thank you for the question. And then it would go back to, Boris, you're a disgrace, you're the worst person's ever lived. And it, this... Uh, uh, flow would continue. The absolute highlight was when clearly the Tories were running out of questions to ask him to keep the thing moving. And uh, one of them stood up to ask him about uh, the use of plastics in washing machine filters, uh, to which the whole house just uh, lost their mind. And then he turned around to the house and said, well, you can laugh, but we're talking about plastic and saving the world. So it was one of the great Prime Minister's <laughs> questions of all time. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, but we know that if a couple of your interviews on tonight's show aren't as brilliantly prepared as they might normally be, what the reason was behind that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it got me, sorry, got me energised. I was pumped afterwards. <laughs> I was ready to go. Uh, there is action scenery. A whole host of stuff going on. I know El Clasico is over in Saudi Arabia. I mean, why, why wouldn't it be, I suppose? And Everything else is. <laughs> yeah, action in Italy. So, Caraba Cup semi-final. Yeah, Chelsea taking a 2 lead with them to North London for tonight's second leg of their Carabao Cup semi-final. Playing Tottenham, of course. Kickoff is at 7.45. Matt Doherty uh, does start for Spurs tonight. West Ham can return to fourth in the Premier League table this evening. David Moyside entertained the bottom club Norwich from 7.45. And Adam Ida makes a rare start for the visitors. He's up top alongside Temu Puki tonight. As I say, both of those games kicking off at quarter to eight. Jurgen Klopp has been talking most Salah. Yeah, he says he's relaxed about Mo Salah's contract situation. The forward says he's not asking for crazy stuff in negotiations with the Premier League club. That was during a recent interview with GQ. Uh, Klopp, though, is confident that there will be a positive outcome in the end. <laughs> I, I, I'm very positive about it, but I don't think it makes sense that you speak on behalf of the fans because um, I'm pretty sure fans are not as as nervous as you are. Um, they, uh, they know the club pretty long and know the people dealing here with the different things pretty long so um, I think enough reason for being positive but as long as it's not done nothing is we can't say anything about it but uh, good good conversations that's what I can say uh, first of all Richie Mosala looked especially cool in his GQ magazine shoot I think you can agree <laughs> I've, I've often said Mo Salah has a lovely face and that GQ uh, spread only did him further favours on that front because he is just a remarkably pleasant looking man. You look like you'd want to spend time with Mo Salah. I mean, Dave talked about Johan van Graan being courteous and respectful. You'd imagine you'd come away from a meeting with Mo Salah. Like, no matter how banal the conversation, you'd be beaming afterwards just because of the energy that he gives off. But yeah, he looked uh, resplendent and almost yeah. like a, a Wes Anderson character in some of those uh, photos yeah. that were released. And I think there was one in an old Liverpool jersey as well that... that that was the Carlsberg jobby. Coup de grace. Yeah, yeah that, that raised beautiful. its that, that that raised its head again. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't a fan of the jersey at the time, but sure, on most salad, pretty much anything was good. 
His agents have teeth though, Dave. So uh, the sense seems to be he's looking for 300 grand a week, touch more if you look elsewhere. I don't know, like obviously in the context of Premier League wages, that seems reasonable, doesn't it? Well, I guess it depends which club you're talking about and, and Liverpool have been able to keep somewhat of a, a halt on the, their wages exploding at the club over the last three or four years, especially when it came to like the really world-class players. A couple of who have been moved on, a couple of probably have had to settle for less than they were hoping for, but he holds all the cards, doesn't he? It really does. I mean, that front three make that team tick and right now I can't think of a player who would is in better form than he is in world football. Like my own seven-year-old is constantly asking me, who do you think the best player in the world is at the moment, Daddy? And I always end up coming back to Mo Salah because he just looks like he's going to kill the opposition every time he has the ball. So he is in a position to demand whatever he wants. Now, it's just a question of how far is he willing to push it? Does he have the the wherewithal to just leave the club because he clearly loves playing for Liverpool he's very happy there if it comes to that point and that's where his agent and his family and, and his own mind will have to be made up but I wouldn't go as far as saying Liverpool need to pay him whatever it is he asks for I'm sure there's a meeting point somewhere in the middle which they I think ultimately they will find they oh, to give a shorter answer I do not envisage Mo Salah leaving when his contract expires or being sold with six months left on it no, I agree I'd be shocked something very sweet about your seven-year-old value in your opinion on football, isn't there? Oh, yeah, but I mean, he'll learn the truth very soon. So. <laughs> he really will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's Klopp on Salah. Where are we going next, Rich? Uh, where are we going next? Oh, yes, to Sale. Uh, serious news this one. Sale Sharks suspending today a player at the centre of a rape investigation. The 29-year-old was questioned by Greater Manchester Police on Sunday following a report of sexual assault on a teenager. A 41-year-old woman was also questioned and Sale have suspended the ex-England international. Uh, elsewhere, Novak Djokovic says an error of judgment led him to leave isolation to conduct a media interview while knowing he tested positive for COVID-19. The world number one met a journalist in Belgrade in December. Djokovic also stressed a discrepancy on his travel declaration to enter Australia for the upcoming Open was down to a human error. The country's Immigration Minister Alex Hawke is still considering whether to cancel Djokovic's visa once again. The guys on OTBAM, which is our morning breakfast show here in Off the Ball every morning from half past seven, went through all this in excruciating uh, detail from Djokovic's point of view because it just unravelled uh, so badly. It's thoroughly entertaining watching them take the whole thing apart. So I don't know where this leaves them, Dave. It would seem very apparent that Alex Hall can turn around and say, well, look, Djokovic, you lied on the form. So, you know, it's an open and shut case. Um, it's just as to whether they want to do that or not. What have you made of the whole thing? Have you been interested in the whole thing? I, I'm getting contrasting opinions from people. Some people think it's uh, the great story that keeps on giving and others just find it all very tiresome and dull. Yeah, the last couple of days I've certainly found myself stepping into the latter camp. Um, I thought it was a really intriguing story at the start and I was adamant at the very beginning of this that, you know, he knew what the rules were going into Australia and yes, I certainly don't believe that he has been treated in the way that you, you that he should have been vilified and in most quarters it's uh, been a little bit over the top but at the same time, he knew what the situation was in Australia and if you pick a country to go to, you know what the rules are and that jurisdiction and he has in my opinion definitely tried to get around them but the interest levels that I have in the story now are they are seriously waning um, I don't know will it will they have uh, the guts to just decide you know what you're out mm. it's gone on this long and we're so close to the tournament now 
um, it's, it looks to me like it's kind of a 50-50 job at this stage but if I was to be pushed on I would suspect that he will play in this tournament and that they probably will decide not to expel him from the country before the tournament yeah. kicks off I genuinely think what's going on now is they're polling the public well, that's it. They're, they're looking, they're they're looking to make the best of the oh, situation yeah. and turn it to their advantage as best they possibly can. No coincidence that they are in an election year and the popularity of the government and the prime minister in particular is a pretty low ebb at the moment. So they're looking at this situation thinking, well, look, it, it is what it is tomorrow, that horrible old phrase. How can we best shift the waves to our advantage and see what we can milk out of this? If not today, then when, when will we discuss washing machine filters, wonders, Tom? Well, I hear you. Look, it has to be discussed at some stage. Where would you like to see Mo Salah go, lads? Wonders, Brian, in sorts. If you were Mo uh, Salah's agent, Dave, and he said, you know what? I think they're not going to play ball with me here. They don't like that I'm 30. I'm going to have to move on to get my 300 to 350 a week. Where's a good club for Mo Salah to go, he was to ask you. Not PSG. Well, <laughs> a lot of people would feel that Liverpool are out of the title race now and that they are favourites to win the Champions League title this season. They were the European champions two seasons ago. So to pick a better club for him to go to in terms of fulfilling his footballing ambitions is very difficult. Um, can he go and earn some more money elsewhere? Yes, but at a very small handful of clubs. The shortlist is getting smaller and smaller as the years go by because there's really only two or three that could afford to pay him the sort of money that he's supposedly looking for and the sort of wages that that if he does leave Liverpool will be the reason that he has left so that's a very difficult question to answer in footballing terms very few clubs yeah. monetarily very few like you're talking two or three yeah. the obvious ones yeah. yeah, fellas we're out of time thank you very much Richie thank you nice one. Dave McIntyre pleasure thanks guys